Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Tribune Audio Network. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Powered by the Quad City Moms blog. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hey everybody, it's on a mother level. I'm Denise Hanitka and... I am totally taking it to a mother level because it's Halloween week and I'm eating chili and everyone is freaking out in the Quad Cities because we're about to have this crazy Halloween snow. I don't know what is happening. It's already snowed once in the Quad Cities and we're about to have this crazy Halloween snow and people are moving their trick-or-treating and the kids are all going to be tromping through the three to six inches. I don't even know what's happening. Ashley Peterson is here to help me make sense of the madness that is going to be our Halloween tomorrow. So as you hear this, I guess this is going live on Halloween. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. So do you um, get a lot of trick-or-treaters at your house? Actually, I live on a street that has a I call it our old man bar. It's like one of those private (laughs) bars that old men go to and one house. So my husband is actually the youngest person on our street. Oh, so so he's going house to house. So he's all dressed up, got his bag. (laughs) So we usually go to my sister's house in Milan. She lives across from Camden Park. So it's, there's hundreds of kids. So I think they go through. I think last year she thought 200 kids or so. so. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's really fun just to visit, see all the kids, and then I go home to my quiet little neighborhood. Oh. So, but my niece is sick, so I don't know if we're going to get to do it this year. We oh, might have that's to. a bummer. Luckily, she's only two and a half, so I don't think she'll fully yeah. get she's missing it. No, she good. won't. She won't. And she won't know if anyone eats her Snickers either. No. So that's good news. I was like, well, maybe I'll come over this weekend if she feels better <laughs> and help with that candy stash she got going. Ashley um, is an old friend of mine and an old coworker, and you are 21 weeks pregnant right now. I am. You're having a baby boy. I am. Congratulations. Yes, we're very excited. It's our first, so I think we'll be a one and done family. So you think so? I think so. Okay. My husband's an only child and loved it. I always was like, oh gosh, that seems so lonely. Yeah. But We'll see how it goes. Well, I'm not fully yeah. convinced. We'll, yet. See. we'll see. Well, and you have <laughs> Bo at home, your little we do. doggy. Yep, and two cats. 
One is a kitten, so I am literally covered in scratches. That's oh, how she oh, shows her love. <laughs> she loves you very, very yeah. much. She's like, oh, you're such a baby. And as she bites me. And I'm like, oh, well, that's fine. It's <laughs> practice, I guess. Well, yeah, you have 20 weeks to get her used to this um, new addition that's going to be coming into your yes. house. Okay, so I want to start off, um, and I don't mean to bring this podcast down, but um, so in my last episode, I briefly talked about the fact that I just recently lost my grandfather. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit because um, it was maybe like three or four episodes ago that I talked about the fact that I was really lucky because I still had all four of my grandparents. And so um, I just touched on it briefly last episode. And I just want to say just one more thing about him. So he he died last week. This is my Jito and he is um, my Ukrainian grandfather. He came um, over to the United States from the Ukraine during World War II. He has an incredible life story. And I'm not going to tell that whole story. Um, But I just... um, you know, I just miss him. I miss him a lot. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is something that we did um, while we were celebrating his life at just before his funeral. So um, usually, if not too many people were pregnant, we would, on his birthday, we would take a shot of something. And it was just always funny because, you know, when you're taking shots with your 88-year-old grandpa, it's just kind of cute. So the last um, time that we took a shot with him, for some reason, I have no idea why, we took a shot of Cavassier, like who drinks Cavassier? It's like a cognac. It's really weird. Oh, I was keep like, it, I'm not even sure what that is. They keep it behind the counter. Like you have to ask for it specifically. It's a whole thing. So... Anyway, so right before um, his funeral services packed weekend, my um, uh, my brother and my sister-in-law and my sister and I, we all um, did this shot of Cavassier. And Cavassier is awful, I might add. So anyway, um, while you're celebrating Halloween or this weekend, I want you to take a shot of something weird. Maybe it's not Cavassier, but take a shot, and I want you to cheers by using the word Nastrovia. So in Ukrainian, that means to health or cheers. So I'll be cheersing to my grandpa. You cheers to someone special, and that's kind of how we can celebrate his life. That's the way he lived. He was happy. He had a hilarious laugh, and um, he died just shortly before his 89th birthday. So we miss you, Dito. Um, I know how lucky I was to have him for so long in my life. So anyway, I just wanted to give him a little shout out and um, yeah, hug your grandma and grandpa if they're still around, mom and dad, yeah. anybody that you love. So <laughs> bummer start to the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I love it though. That's so sweet. Yeah. So and what a cool tradition. I might yeah. have to start that with my grandparents. Yeah. It's just kind of cool. Like whatever, um, you know, whatever they're into, but I just think yeah. it's funny that of all things, it was Cavassier, which is really a god-awful liquor. It's really <laughs> just terrible. Anywho, um, so we're going to cheers. We're going to say Nostrovia to health today because we're going to be talking about health and um, and an issue that you recently dealt with and um, overcame in order to um, become pregnant with your first baby. So we're going to get into all of that, but we always start with our mom wins and our mom losses of the week. So I'm going to start with mine. So first of all, I am going to tell you right now, Ashley, that I have officially made it in my life. And here's why. I know that I've officially made it because at my house this year, we will be handing out full-size candy bars. 
wow. Yeah. I decided (laughs) this is going to be our year. You know what I mean? Because you remember when you were a kid, like you noted that one house, Mm -hmm. that one house handed out the big candy. We are that house this year. Well, maybe I'll swing by (laughs) real quick tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm real excited. I got them from Costco. So they were real reasonably priced. And so I got like Kit Kats and Skittles and Starburst, like some really good stuff. So I'm just excited because, you know, sometimes when kids come to your door, they clearly look disappointed visibly by the candy that you're offering them. And so this year, (laughs) this year, Ashley, they're going to look at me like the angel that I am. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) So then do you have to keep it up year after year? Um... You know, I kind of think so. That's, that's a really good point. So now I'm like invested financially yeah. is what you're saying. The start of savings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's about oh, my poor, my poor children <laughs> and their college educations. Okay. So that's how I know that I've made it. And that is me taking it to a mother level on this Halloween, this Halloween 2019 full-size candy at my house. You may not come there, general public. <laughs> Um, it's just for the kids in the neighborhood. Anyway. Okay. So that's my mother level moment. What's yours, Ashley? Well, my win and my loss for this week both revolve around chores. Okay. So I'm very exciting. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're in like major nest mode right now. I am. I don't know if you got this feeling when you first got yeah. pregnant with either one of your boys. But mm-hmm. as soon as we found out, I looked around and was like, this house <laughs> needs so much work. For one, babies care about trim, so it all needs to be freshly painted. Absolutely. Everything needs to be touched up, <laughs> which we haven't done yet, but we will. So the big thing that happened this week was, well, all last spring, our basement was a hot mess. Okay. It flooded like crazy. Oh, so bad no. to one point I had to leave work early to help Petey because it was so bad and he was so stressed out. And I was like, I feel ridiculous but my house is like literally gushing water. So I have to go home now and help him (laughs) so he doesn't go crazy. So we decided a few months back that we were going to get our basement waterproofed, which is such a big deal. We have a ranch house. So it literally doubles like the square footage of usable space. I mean, we keep stuff down there, but nothing that can get wet. So it kind of limits you. So with it being the weather, how it was this last year, they're super busy. So we've been on the books for mid-January. So we're like, okay. Oh, man, okay. We have lots of time, but I will be super pregnant. So we're like, let's get a storage unit and get all of our stuff put there. So it'll be dry all winter. We don't have to worry about it. So they called last, well, they called on Monday. Like, we had a cancellation. We can be there next Thursday. I'm like, oh, dynamite. Like I'm not, I won't pass up the opportunity, right? but I might cry a little because we are not ready at all. (laughs) So my win is I haven't cried and I haven't freaked out. I almost did last night. It was our second night in a row of like hanging out in the cobwebs and trying to like organize our life and get it cleaned. And I just kept saying to Petey, I was like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do next as he's working. And I'm like, well, maybe stop standing there and saying that <laughs> and just start in a corner and get it going. It'll be fine. So, so far, so good. Mm-hmm. We get our storage unit on Friday so we can start moving oh stuff out. Gosh. So what you have here is clearly a documented case of a syndrome that I like to call pregnant ambition. Okay. <laughs> <It really is. laughs> when we are pregnant, we want to do 
beyond nesting things, Mm -hmm. like painting baseboards. That's pregnant ambition. But it needs it so bad. Like, I can't take it. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to meet baby Peterson, and his first words will be, New trim, new trim, fresh baseboards, <laughs> white paint. They look <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, Mom. I'm going to color all over everything. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, this is pregnant ambition, people. It happens to everyone. And God bless our husbands for being <laughs> fine with it and just rolling with these insane He's requests. Doing well. He's like, just write everything on the chalkboard that we have mm-hmm. in the kitchen and we'll start checking things off. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. I'm not ready. <laughs> oh my I'm too scared. Okay. So how, does your loss fit into that? Or your, your, your mom, your mom fail? My loss is since I don't have any kids right now, it's kind of like a, a realization that when you're pregnant, you don't get to do everything you used to. Yes. And I've been very... Like drink Cavassier. Yes. <laughs> that was the first thing. <laughs> but even like simple things like, I don't I wanted to do a bunch of yard work this weekend and my husband works every other weekend. And so I usually like to spend Saturday doing some sort of big chore. So then he comes home and I'm like, look what I did. Like I'm so <laughs> yeah. overly proud of myself for doing whatever. So this Saturday, I was like, I'm going to rake the whole front yard, get it all bagged. Oh, my gosh. Put all my pots away. Yeah, you have the pregnant ambition, and it's so bad. And it was it's it was so bad. fine, but I was like, <laughs> man, I am really out of breath, like yes. more than normal. And I was like, but this will be fine. So I raked and bagged leaves between, I'd say, three to four hours. <gasps> oh, my God. And Sunday, I woke up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like my legs... I I thought, you know, my back or whatever. Yeah. My thighs and my hips were unbelievable. So <laughs> <laughs> just like when you work out, the second day is usually the worst right. for some reason. So then I have to go to work on Monday. And just like you, I work in a very open work environment. <laughs> so going from the sitting to standing position without just a sheer look of horror <laughs> on my face... <laughs> People are, she's not even that pregnant yet. Like, what's her deal? And I even kind of was waddling. (laughs) And I was like, I bet people think I, I'm like, oh, I'm so big. I waddle. I'm like, I literally can't bend my knees. Like, it has nothing to do (laughs) with my stomach. (laughs) My legs are on fire. So I'm feeling better now. Okay, good. But, you know. I didn't notice a distinct waddle at all. So It's passed. (laughs) It is passed. I'm not going to rig this weekend. Luckily, it's going to snow. So save me from Well, don't shovel. I know. It's going to be hard not to, though. I shoveled a bunch when I was pregnant last winter. I like to shovel, too. I do, too. I do, too. It's kind of my chore. It's like a free workout, almost. It is. And our dog loves the snow, and he's so cute and just romps around, and that kind of helps. Yeah. When he's having fun, you're like, okay, this isn't the worst. So we'll see. I'll text you on Monday (laughs) and let you know how I'm doing. (laughs) So my mom lost. I feel like a lot of people will relate to this. Um... I was um, ordering Abram's Halloween costume on Monday night, um, getting the express shipping and delivery. And uh, so, you know, three, four days to spare. It's fine. The costume arrived. Abram loves it. It's a T-Rex. He's so happy. I'm telling you, dinosaurs and trucks are like the best parts of being a boy mom so far because they love them with like every fiber of their being and it's so freaking cute so this morning abram sat in his um 
in his dinosaur costume eating his Cheerios. And it has like these weird little claws that come over his hand. So he's just kind of like picking around the claws to grab his little Cheerios. So technically my fail should be um, that I ordered my kid's Halloween costume on Monday. But since it came with an appropriate amount of time, you know, when... I was going to say, no one has to know. <laughs> no, no one has to know. <laughs> it did make me laugh, though, because I forgot that I'd ordered it. And so there was a big package sitting on, you know, the doorstep. And so I looked at it, and it had my husband's name on it. And I, I didn't, like, recall that this was a costume. And then I was super confused because the return address was fun.com. And I was like, what in the world <laughs> is he ordering from fun.com? <laughs> That's oh, amazing. yeah, it was just a Halloween costume. <laughs> oh, that's right. I ordered that. <laughs> it's a dinosaur. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, like, fun.com has great costumes and at a reasonable price. So, mm. I was pleased. Um, <laughs> so, my other mom fail for the week is... Um, so my Abram has the most active imagination, and I bet you all kids kind of do this, but he like he will have two and three-way conversations with himself. And recently he's been calling me an old lady a lot for some reason. And I'm like, I don't know what your deal is, kid. Like <laughs> Rude. who told you that? Yeah. <laughs> no. So what your so no. what your dad calls me or what? So I overheard him having one of these weird little conversations where you know where it's usually like, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, oh we're going over here. Okay, I will, me too. You know, just like these little conversations, but I overheard him like having these this chat with like I don't know maybe like a two of his stuffed animals and I heard him say she's an old lady <laughs> and then the other animal says no she's not she's a good mama <laughs> I was like what is happening so there was a bit of a disagreement I honestly don't know who um, who won that argument but I'm just like no she's not she's a good mama I'm like for crying out loud <laughs> you better be talking about someone else. <laughs> I know. So anyway, but I just love listening to his little conversations. It's so, it's, God, it's just one of the funnest parts of being a mom. It's just like listening to how he takes in the world around him and like what comes out. And so, you know, um, being an old lady goes into our article that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about our moms in the headlines. And I'm sorry, Ashley, there's nothing I can do to turn back time. And I'm sorry to deliver this news to you. But some new research suggests that pregnancy may accelerate aging in women. So I think we all kind of thought that, you know, that we all like feel a little older and Mm -hmm. like have a few more wrinkles. But apparently, according to this article, um, there's something in our chromosomes called telomeres and if you're like a like a science whatever and I say something wrong like don't call me I don't care Um, because basically the point of this article is saying like your telomeres get shorter Mm -hmm. as um, you age and so this research found that pregnancy and childbirth like shorten your telomeres anywhere from like four months to four years worth Per pregnancy. Per pregnancy. Like, what is that? <laughs> That's very unfortunate. <laughs> I know. When you sent me the link, I was like, what is this? <laughs> so rude. So I know you're feeling all fresh and youthful and vibrant. <laughs> I feel but great. But you're about, you're about to use four, lose four years of four your life. Years. Yeah. That means I have lost eight whole years of my life because of these animals. Or eight months. Yeah. <laughs> Look See, I'm going four months. <laughs> okay, and the other thing that's super weird is that this same research found that, like, they couldn't find those changes in the telomeres until after 
you were done being pregnant because mm-hmm. while you're pregnant, the telomeres actually look younger. Right. So they thought maybe like, oh, maybe like the baby's blood is mixing up mm-hmm. in there and kind of like, you know, diluting your average or something. So are you like younger while you're pregnant? Yes. And then? Yes. So basically you are a, a spry teen of 18 years old and... um and, you know, you just really feel it when you're <laughs> pregnant, too. I've never been so spry. So <laughs> seems accurate. Yeah. So how weird is that? Like, so basically pregnancy has the same impact on your telomeres as like being overweight, not sleeping, smoking. So basically mm-hmm. pregnancy is bad for you and you're going to die prematurely. And like, <laughs> how much do kids age you once they're born? Yeah. I mean, they didn't even go into that. Yeah. There's a whole nother body of research that needs to happen. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, your baby's born now. You're back to being whatever nope. age. No. Yeah. That's fine. So here I am just sharing the good news with you all that we are all <laughs> older than, um, older than we thought. So that means I'm like halfway through my pregnancy. So I could technically be two years older right now. Yes, that's right super. (laughs) You look great though. You really look dynamite. (laughs) I'm really glad I came on this podcast. (laughs) Ashley, um, I'm so glad that you're here because um, you're so kind as to share um, your story of um, just a health journey that you've been on for, is it like the past two years or so? It would be almost three. I'm almost exactly. I've I can't remember when I took my first test, but it would have okay. been about three years ago now. Okay, so your first test. What is this test? So I decided after I was just going to like my normal annual exam and you fill out all your family history and all yeah. that good stuff. So I had a really great doctor who since I think, I'm not sure where she moved to, but made a move with her family, but I loved her. Went to her for years and she kind of picked up on a piece of family history that I had written down. And that was that my aunt had breast cancer when she was in her early 30s. I can never remember the okay. exact date because I would have been, I don't even know, 10-ish. Okay. I, I f- like faintly remember everything happening. Okay. But she lived in Minnesota, so I didn't see her a lot. But I remember the hair loss and things like that. So she picked, my doctor picked up on that and that that's very young and rare to get it that early. And a lot of times when that happens, it's for a reason genetically or something. So she encouraged me to take a test for the BRCA gene. Okay. I can't remember. It's like the BRCA. Yep. There's BRCA1 and BRCA2. Okay. And uh, the test I think is the Myriad test. So it's just a simple blood test. And I was on the fence. I was like, it's fine. That's kind of been my attitude my whole life. Like I've never really been sick. I've sprained an ankle once or twice and got strep throat and that was it. So I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, like she had it, uh, you know, a long time ago she survived and is doing great and everything is good. So I was like, uh, I'm, I'm good. I'll think about it. Mm -hmm. So I called my grandma who is, um, it's on my dad's side. So my dad's mom and was asking her about it. And it turned out that my grandma's, I think it was her sister, had both breast and ovarian. And I think her mom had ovarian. And there was about eight other cousins or aunts oh, that wow. all had had ovarian cancer at different times. And then my aunt had had 
the breast cancer. Yeah. And my grandma, she didn't have anything, either one. And a lot of that could have been because after she had her last kid in the 70s, she had her ovaries removed, seeing a trend long before they even knew this gene existed. Okay. But being very preventative and kind of seeing what family members were going through. Yeah. So that made me kind of be like, okay, well, maybe this isn't something to ignore, even though sometimes that's easier. So much easier. So I went ahead and took the test and found out that I was positive for the BRCA1 gene. Um, and everyone has the gene because it's a cancer fighting gene. Oh, weird. So, yeah. I didn't realize no. that. So you, everyone gets one from their mom and one from their dad. So if they're both there and they're both working, they actually help fight off cancer cells if they come up. But I have one good one, presumably from my mom's side, because they don't have any history, and then a mutated one from my dad's side. So then that increased your cancer risk by significant amounts. Wow. So it's actually good. You, ha you should have both, and you do. Um, it's just kind of if they work or not. Yeah. So, I mean, how do they tell you this information? You know, you, you take the test and then do they bring you back in into some scary room? Like what happened? Well, it was at my same like OB's office. So yeah. she was, they have you come in either way, um, whether it's positive or negative, because it's not something they want to tell you over the phone. And if definitely, like, oh, we think you should come in. Like, well, man, then bingo. obviously, yeah. So... Me and my husband went in and met with my normal doctor, which was nice to have someone that I've seen a few times, you know, every year. So then, then she kind of just told me and I don't know. <laughs> it's the wow. only time I like cried in a doctor's office. Really? It was very hard to hear. Yeah. I kind of still was just thinking I'd be good because yeah. I always kind of had been health wise. Well, so how do they frame it to you though? I mean, they don't say like, um, you know, they're not saying you have cancer, right. you know, what is it that they're exactly saying? Um, pretty much that you don't have, I mean, luckily you don't yeah. have it, but here are the numbers you're looking at and here is your risk and okay. here are your options. And it was very up to me. There was okay. no like, well, you know. A lot of women get their breasts removed and all of them get their ovaries removed. Nothing like that. It was very, here are your options. Okay. It sounded like like half of patients take a pre pretty serious preventative measure. Half of them just increase exams, self-awareness, things like that. Okay. And then they kind of give you a humongous folder of information and then ask if you want to go see a specialist. Yeah. So did you make a decision at that moment or did you go home and sit on it? Like... I knew before we went in that if I had it, I would have a mastectomy. Really? Because I just, I don't know. I still was assuming I didn't have it, but I remember telling my husband, like, if I do, this is what I would do. Yeah. And he was like, okay. Like, he was pretty fair. I mean, he was incredibly supportive yeah. and didn't seem surprised by the decision I wanted to make. I just knew... And that was even, I guess, before I knew how high the risks were. Okay. But if I, I was like, I don't, I just, I knew eventually we would have kids. And if I could kind of nip it in the butt before I have kids yeah. and I can just t take all the time I need and 
lay on the couch all day, every day and take care of myself without having to worry about a little person, then yeah, that's probably best case scenario for me. So, so you knew you'd already kind of made a decision. And, um, so, I mean, what's the next step you're sitting in the doctor's office. And so what do you do? Well, we made an appointment to meet with someone over at Trinity and I think a genetic specialist as well, who they really go into your family history and help you understand the numbers past the pamphlets and all Mm -hmm. of that. And then pretty much had to tell my family, which was really challenging. My sister was, I think it was the week she was due with her first baby. Oh, wow. That's also a girl. So there's a lot of stress there. She has the same risk of having it as I did. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of a, a weird thing to talk about with, not weird. It's just, it's one thing when you have something, but another thing when you're like, I have this, which also means grandma, you have it probably mm-hmm. because there's, there's no history on my mom's side. So it's coming from one side. Yeah. And so that's essentially telling my dad, he has the gene and my sister has a 50, 50 shot and I have a half brother and he has the same 50, 50 shot. So it's kind of, you were really the bearer of bad news. I was. It's <laughs> a real bummer. Yeah. <laughs> right around Christmas. Hey, too. so great to see you hey, all. <laughs> so, and yeah, and they all took it, I mean, as well as you can. Yeah. And we're pretty supportive. I know my mom had a really hard time with it. Oh, gosh, I yeah. It was hard to see. I mean, I was pretty healthy, you know, as far as like, I didn't have... I mean, I had some things I could improve on, but as far as like, I wasn't sick or anything. And to see your daughter have to make a decision to do yeah. that when really there's nothing wrong with her right now, I yeah. think was really challenging. So how quickly did the process go? I mean, you've made a decision. Now you've got to see some specialists and what happened next? Pretty much they were, I went to see a, like a surgeon over, they have like a breast, it's not breast cancer, but like a surgical group that does mastectomies at Trinity. Okay. So I went and met with them and then they hooked me up with a plastic surgeon. Um, and he, they really do a lot of the work. The general okay. surgeon's just there for the first one. And then I saw the plastic surgeon for two, over two years, I guess. Okay. With different procedures and stuff. Cause it's a long process then like it the is, reconstruction. Yeah. Okay. Is that the right word? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I kind of, I, I was very naive for how long it would take. Yeah. So I found out, found out in December and then there wasn't any rush cause I didn't have any cancer yeah. or anything. So it was really, I mean, I could have not done it at all. I've yeah. done it the first appointment they had or whatever. So I opted to wait about five months, um, for mostly work because we're super busy in the winter. Yeah. And I had to take at least a month off. Okay. And I didn't want to stress about work yeah. at the same time. And I needed some time to process. It wasn't like, I mean, just because I had already decided didn't mean I was like, all right, let's go. You yeah, know, like there roll. was a lot of grieving, literally, yeah. for your breasts. It's, yeah. It was very strange to go through. I went through a long time of not wanting to lose them. And because it, I mean, looking back at it now, they aren't that big of a part of you, but at the time when you have to think about that, they are. And Mm -hmm. 
I remember, I mean, one of the reasons I'm, I've never really opened up in a way like this before, I've, I've kind of contemplated it to share my story, but it's scary and it's yeah exposing a lot of yourself. Um, but I read blogs of two women who were in their twenties and they shared pictures of what they went through yeah, pre-surgery, post-surgery through the whole thing. And that really helped me a lot. And I remember reading the one and her being like, I don't even want them anymore. Like they aren't that important to me. If they're this much of a risk, I'd rather just get rid of them. And I remember being like, you're such a liar. Like, how could you think that? Like, and not want to keep them. And by the end of the five months, I was like, I cannot wait to stop thinking about them because that's what it was is every day you worry, you think about them constantly and you go from not thinking about them at all. You've had them for however many years, 15, then, then to think and stress about them was strange. Yeah. So by the end of the five months, I was really like, all right, yeah, I'm done with this part of my life and I'm ready to move on to something else. So was that, um, was that a strange thing for your husband too? You know, cause so much like, you know, I don't know how to say this. Like, you know, it just so much of your like sexuality is, Mm -hmm. is caught up in breasts, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or not, you know, like, so did you feel any, um, like guilt, like for him in that respect, you know, like, not like saying that's obviously not warranted, but like, is that part of the feelings of it? Yeah. A lot of it was, I mean, we had been together for probably seven years dating wise and stuff and then married for two, I think it would have, no, about a year, year and a half. And I just, I was so stressed about like, this was the biggest thing hopefully one of the biggest things we'll ever face. Yeah. And we're 27. And I was like, I don't know, like this is a huge decision. And I was like, I just, you know, you hear about people who something terrible happened to them and they couldn't recover from that with their marriage. And I'm like, what if this makes us, you know, break up or whatever? And he's like, that is ridiculous. The whole time he was like, it's fine. It will be fine. Yeah. He was very... I don't know, because you kind of picture, you know, the macho man mm-hmm. and how you know important that yeah. is to them. And he just wasn't like yeah. that. I think we really saw eye to eye on are they worth keeping for up to a 80 to 90 percent chance of breast cancer. Right. And they aren't. And he's like, I don't care if you want to keep them or not. Like, if you want to. That's great. <laughs> but if you don't want to, yeah. like he also doesn't want to see me go through breast cancer. No. And so I think he was very like, if we can get this, get past this and you're a healthier person for it, yeah. then he was all for it. I mean, sounds like he was like such a huge support system. He was. He was really good. Which is funny because like Petey is like, like I just know him as like such a laid back, like jokester kind of mm-hmm. a guy, just like so easygoing and like. I don't know. So it's it's cute to see that other like sensitive side of Petey. Yeah. He was very <laughs> sweet. And even with coming onto your podcast, I mean, I've known you for years yeah. and I mean, I agreed to it right away and was like super yeah. excited. And then all last night I was like, I don't know, like it's so much to tell like people about myself. Yeah. And he's like, you'll be fine. And he's like, I think you should. He's like, you've you know, people have helped you by sharing their story and he's kind of known that I've wanted to, but didn't really know what outlet or yeah. 
really just to jump in is kind of scary to yeah. do it. Um, so yeah, he was all, he's all for it. Yeah. So it's, it's really nice. It helps a lot. Well, I'm really honored that you, um, that you wanted to do this because I know it is, it's definitely opening up this huge, um, you know, chapter of your life. So um, and I do, I do think that like hearing, no matter what it is that you're going through, hearing how somebody else handled it is so helpful, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what it is. So, um, so take me to like the week leading up to the surgery, like where is your state of mind or like the weeks, the days, like, how are you feeling at that time? Well, I would say I was overly ambitious for that as well <laughs> and <laughs> nice. insisted on, I was like, if I'm going to be on the couch all not all summer but for a solid month like I my mom came over and she helped me deep clean our whole house um I think probably the week before we washed all the windows because I couldn't handle sitting like in a recliner and looking out a dirty window just god just (laughs) insanity (laughs) and kind of you know you keep yourself busy and that kind of stops you from sitting there and stressing about it and worrying and so I ended up having my surgery on a Monday And I remember just that weekend trying to get as much stuff done as I could. I went shopping. We made a bunch of like meals ahead of time. So I was hungry. I didn't have to worry about making anything or trying to get out pots and pans and things like that. So I remember doing a lot of that. But it was weird because I also like, even though I wasn't thinking about it the whole time, I was trying really hard not to. I forgot stuff constantly. Like I went to the store yeah, and went to bring all the groceries in and had to go out to my car, I think three or four times because I would forget something. And I was so getting so irritated with myself. I'm like, <laughs> you're so distracted. Yes. And of course, but it was like, even though my brain wasn't like consciously mm-hmm. thinking about it, I was super forgetful for at least yeah. a few days before. So. so like, how do you say goodbye to your breasts? Like, did you just like go in and just... Like, or do you, I don't know. Did you have a little ceremony? Not really. <laughs> I, well, I'm trying, like when you go in, all the pre-op stuff, you have to wipe yourself down with, they have these big, they're kind of like big alcohol wipes. Okay. That are really like big disinfectants. So that's kind of like the last time you feel them and yeah. see them. And as you're cleaning them to get ready, I mean, it's very, it's definitely surreal. For sure. Yeah. And I, of course, went through, I assume a lot of people do, where you Google and just scare the life out of yourself Mm -hmm. with pictures. And so I finally had gotten over that stage. I did that right away. Yeah. And it was not helpful at all. (laughs) I mean, because everyone's mastectomy is different. I mean, there's women who have them because they already have cancer. So they lose one breast, but keep the other. Or they lose them at different times and or they're going through radiation. Like so Google imaging something is not Mm-mm. the way to go. No. So I did that for a while. And then I met my plastic surgeon and he was like had a whole book of people who have been willing were his patients and were willing to share their photos and he flipped through the ones that didn't apply to me and then we got to the ones that did and I was like Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I should have just waited to meet you <laughs> yeah. instead of pretending to do it myself. So I think by that time I was pretty ready yeah. for it. So do you remember like, like what are the first things you remember after like waking up from the surgery? Hmm. 
all the last thing I remember before going was this nurse. Well, I've never had surgery before, and yeah. the room is so cold <laughs> yes. and just so sterile, of yes. course. But it's just everything. It's just awful, and you try not to look around. And you're like, this is fine. Like. I know and it's it'll be fine. When I went in for my scheduled C-section, it was like walking into death row because you're just like going into this super bright place yeah. and like you know someone's about to cut you open. It's weird. And like, I don't have any clothes on. You know, you have like a yeah. gown on, and they're like, "Okay, take your gown off." I'm like, yeah. "Well, it's 20 degrees in here, like, <laughs> and there's a lot of people in here." And that I think scary too when you're like, "Oh, you're all here for me." I mm-hmm. imagine it's even worse with a C-section. Yeah. I mean, it might've been like just very similar. And then just like, I just remember there were like three or four nurses like talking about their weekend, like over (laughs) in one corner. And I'm like, wow, like this is their job to just like, oh yeah, you know, just doing this today, you know, cutting this lady, Mm, you know, just going to deliver this baby real quick. (laughs) Grab some lunch. I know. Chipotle. I love Chipotle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I didn't realize, I mean, I always watch scrubs and stuff and I didn't know they actually listened to music during surgeries and so they take turns getting well at least the doctors i had take turns picking who gets to have the radios whatever station (laughs) or whoever plays like hey can i have a say in this please Um, i actually don't like this (laughs) i'll be asleep in 20 seconds (laughs) so my um plastic surgeon loved the eagles so when i came in one time because i had several like follow-up surgeries yeah i was like oh the eagles that's cool and everyone was like (sighs) <sighs> yeah, he <laughs> insists on having them. <laughs> they were all over it. I was like, oh, okay. But one of the last things I was laying on the table and this nurse came up and I wish I knew her name or but I know she was at Trinity and Moline and you're sitting there and you're looking up and all the lights are on you and you're kind of they're strapping you in literally to the table and she just was stroking my hair and was like we're gonna take such good care of you it'll be fine and I just start crying and she was just the sweetest lady oh but I don't remember what she looks like I don't remember her name or anything like that but I was like okay that's what you needed at that second it was so sweet and I think I mean I'm sure they can sense that on people yeah the look on my face was probably mortified and and probably woman to woman too like you just were like okay like she gets it it was so nice so I was like it was like my mom was in there and was like just you know slightly rubbing my hair and letting me know it'll be fine yeah so that was the last thing that I remember Mm -hmm. um for the first initial one yeah so then afterwards you wake up and your body's totally changed yeah what do you remember about the first realization that it was over I don't remember the recovery room. I don't think they put yeah. you in a room for like 45 minutes yeah. where they really monitor you. And so, I mean, did you wake like, up? Did you wake up like in a lot of pain or like Mm-mm. were you already like. It's surprisingly not painful. Really? It's very weird. That you is would weird. think because it's, I mean, they're literally taking big parts of your body. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it, it's all just fat tissue. They don't cut into muscle and stuff. Oh, okay. So that really helps. Yeah. Um, but I remember being in my room because <clears throat> you stay the night, overnight, just one night, and then you go home the next day. How weird. That's so weird. They're like, oh, so long as you can yeah. go to the restroom. And then I think they... They made me take a shower there, and then I was off. Wow. Are you sure? Because I feel like I should stay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This 
just watch me for a while. Yeah, that is so strange. It's very strange. Um, but yeah, I just woke up and my parents were there and my husband and my sister, she came and yeah. she walked in the room and she was already bawling. And I mean, she's nine months pregnant yes. and it's a very stressful thing. She's like, I cried my whole way here. And she came in and then I like wasn't in sheer pain. And she was like, oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. and I remember it was my, my husband and my mother-in-law that were there too. And they were all talking about something and I was just cracking up <laughs> and it was, I don't know if it was pain medicine. Um, but even just like laughing, like any little movement kind of hurt, but it was yeah. just like, so I don't know, surreal. And I've never even been to like the emergency room or anything like that. So to have a room to my, you know, by yourself and you spend the night and you have visitors was all of first and yeah. things like that for me. Um, and you're pretty much just in a full saran wrap bikini. Okay. Really? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sassy. It's very sexy. <laughs> and comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then we went home the next day. Wow. And I remember the drive home because I yelled at my husband for every single bump. Because yeah. You never realize how bumpy John Deere Road is until yeah. you drive from Moline to Carbon Cliff. And I mean, the poor guy. What are you going to do about bumps? That's not yeah. his fault. But so, because by now you're like starting to feel a little bit of discomfort yeah. and pain. Okay. Yeah. And you go home with um, Vicodin and muscle relaxers. Okay. Because um, you'll have muscle spasms and stuff too. Weird. Because when they, when they, do the first part, they take out all your tissue and then they put in um, like expanding implants. Okay. And those ones, like you go in once a week. I went in for two months or so to my plastic surgeon and they have huge syringes and the, um, the implants have a little metal spot in them so they can detect where it is to like poke it in there. And then they just fill you up with like and they're like New slowly <laughs> stretching, mm-hmm. okay. stretching your skin back out. Cause you would think, or I would, I guess that you take out all the tissue and you, and your, I mean, your skin is used to having breasts. Right. So then you just put in your new implant. Okay. And it's not like that. It's, I don't know if it just goes right back super quick or how all that works, but you have to slowly stretch it yeah. out and get it ready. So can I ask an incredibly ignorant question and we can take this out if you don't like this question. So like, is it like carving a pumpkin where like all the exterior is still there? Mm -hmm. So like nipple is still there. Like, like, and this part, you know what I mean? Yeah. I always, yeah. I always thought of it as, um, carving like a watermelon where you just like you're scooping Scoop it all okay. out and all okay. your skin's still there. So you're and just left with like, and then they just do, yeah. um, like I have vertical scars and the, whether you get to keep your nipple or not is kind of all dependent on your size and things okay. like that. Um, cause they want them to look right still. At yeah. The end. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> the plastic surgeon like measures from your collarbone to your, like middle of your nipple area. And if it's a certain inches or whatever, then they can stay. If it isn't, then they take them or whatever. Yeah. So, 
So, I mean, do people take this opportunity to, like, go bigger or go smaller? Or, I mean, do you get to pick, like, brand new boobs in some respect? Kind of. And I kind of thought, you know, like, you see women that have whatever cups that Mm -hmm. are humongous. And I was like, oh, I guess you could do that. Yeah. But those women still have all their tissue. And right, they're so they're putting it on top. Ta- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So really. So did you do a lot of like, like uh, on the street, like just shopping, just browsing? <laughs> like I like those ones <laughs> and these ones. <laughs> no, mostly I think actually I don't even know what size I am mm-hmm. right now, but I think I'm probably, I would say at least one size smaller. Okay. Than when I went in, um, and and I have mine inflated or as big as they would go. Okay. So I knew I wanted to be as close as possible just because I I was trying not to look completely different. Yeah. Um, so did you tell a lot of people that you were going through this? I mean, you know, like coworkers or obviously family knew, but like, how did you feel about sharing it at the time? Um, I told, quite a few people at work, not super specific. Mm -hmm. Um, but because I was going to miss a month and people are going to wonder where I am. Um, so I had told my boss and his daughter had actually, um, passed away from breast cancer several or no, not breast cancer. I'm sorry. Um, lymphoma. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Like skin cancer. Oh, melanoma. We're gonna, melanoma. Okay. We're going to have to edit this one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Science words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like one of those well words. But um, yeah, he had actually had, my boss had had a daughter who had passed away and I think she was in her 30s and he was just incredible. Like the support yeah. he had and fully understanding. And it's an awkward thing to talk to your yes. male boss about. Yeah. Um, just so, telling a male boss that you're pregnant feels weird enough. Like, yeah. so here's what's going on in my uterus today. <laughs> so, here's the layout. <laughs> Do you want some papers? And you know my boss, so, <laughs> so you understand. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Love you, Alan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, he was really great. And yeah. everyone I told was very supportive. And I kind of just, we have a team meeting once a week. So I told everyone just the Monday before that, um, I had had a, some testing done and that I was at high risk for some cancer and I yeah. was going to go get a procedure. So I wasn't anymore is how I left it. And I wasn't going to dive into it. Yeah. And I think most people kind of knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, you were getting a facelift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some Botox <laughs> for a month. She comes back refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> so you were out of work for a month. Yes. And um, so in the meantime, you're visiting the plastic surgeon and kind of getting like, because this is a whole second part of the process, Mm -hmm. um, which arguably is longer than the first part. Yeah, I kind of, I'm a big planner. So I was like, okay, like in May I'll go and then I'll, you know, you go in once a week for however many weeks it takes and get your, um, the expanding implants uh, filled, I guess. So however long that takes you can kind of decide how many cc's of liquid or i don't i don't know if they call it fluid or whatever how much really it's kind of like how much you can handle and um you go in for that and then you swap them out with your permanent implants and i was like then i'll be done wow in my head financially 
it would cost us one tax return for one year and then we're off and, you know, we're back to normal. Well, it kind of was like that, but it just took a lot longer. Okay. So I had all the, the, um, the fills and it's so funny when you walk out, you just are like, I have the biggest boobs, like, because they just grow. I mean, yeah. they're literally growing in five minutes. That's so strange. You have one nurse on each side. They, like, put them in there. They, like, fill it up with their big syringes. Fill her up, ladies. And then I walk out, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> here I am. A whole new girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my god! It is so weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, they were still very small, because you pretty much start back at nothing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a weird process that part is not painful or anything just something hopefully not a lot of people will have to experience so at this point um so like start to finish from your first surgery to your last one what was the time period how long did that whole thing take I went in in May of 2017 Uh and I got done this past December oh wow okay 18 so a year and a half okay Wow. So, because after you, then you swap out and you get your permanent implants and that procedure was the easiest of all of them. Yeah. It was surprisingly not painful at all. So then you're good. And then they do something called fat transfers where they take fat from different parts of your body and fill it around your implants. Okay. And that just makes them look really natural. Yeah. And kind of smooths things out. Yeah. And with that, it's also like getting liposuction. So it was kind of like, what a dream. (laughs) No, I was like, (laughs) I knew this would be worth it. (laughs) So I actually had three of those. Okay. Um, And so I had the last one, I I think almost exactly a year after um, my double mastectomy. Okay. And then my work changed insurances and then my plastic surgeon wasn't under that new insurance. So they were kind enough to do all the paperwork it takes to be under my new insurance so we could follow, um, follow through with everything. So, okay. So that's another question. Like, cause technically this is elective. Mm -hmm. So does insurance treat it that way? Like you're just having like a fun times procedure or it does insurance cover all this? It covers all. uh, Mine covered all of it. Okay. Through two different companies too. Okay. Wow. That's fantastic. I could see it going either way, you know, where they'd be like, hey, your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Enjoy your lipo. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Even all that was, I mean, I could have had as many as I wanted. Yeah. And I've kind of joked about like, well, I could go you know, post baby. Yeah. Well, That's you could do, do, you it. could do the Kardashian move and get, uh, get some of that injected into the bootay. <laughs> yeah, maybe that will help. <laughs> you could just go in there and order the Kylie It'd be Jenner. Fine, yeah. yeah get, get it up. Get it. Good. <laughs> okay. So at this point today, like, how do you feel about the decision you made? It was definitely the right decision yeah. for me. Um, it's really nice not to think about breast cancer every mm-hmm. day. Um, the risk is still there, but over my lifetime or someone who has BRCA, the BRCA1 gene mutation, they can have up to like an 80 to 90% chance okay. of breast cancer at some point. So, I mean, they can't get everything, but I would, they estimate that you would be down to about 5% wow. after a double mastectomy. Wow. So it's still something that I'm like, okay, you still need to like give yourself exams and things like, don't just be like, 
done, you know, mm-hmm. and never think of it again. Um, so, but wow, it's really pretty good. And I haven't worn a bra since May of 2017. <gasps> wow. It's weird. It's just fantastic. I threw them all away. It was great. No kidding. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a nice perk. And yes, I mean, there's some discomfort of sleeping sometimes, but really, I mean, it's all yeah. worth it in the end. Do you feel like yourself at this point or do you still feel like you're in a stranger's body? I definitely feel like myself yeah. at this point. There was a lot, a long time of uh, being very self-conscious and wearing, I wouldn't say turtlenecks, but the higher neckline, the better. Cause I really? just was like, well, and you can't fully feel them. I mean, a lot of your nerve endings are gone and all of them are cut. So I have some feeling and actually more than my plastic surgeon thought I would. Okay. Um, So I'm fairly lucky with that. But yeah, I mean, I was like, well, if I wear a low cut top and something, like I might not feel it, you know, or. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The potential. (laughs) Your risk for a wardrobe mishap has gone up significantly. I'm not wearing a bra, so. Oh my God. So there's that. So did any um, did any of this impact then um, the decision then to try to get pregnant? Like, yeah, okay. I went through a lot of. Um, I know, always knew I wanted to be a mom, yeah. but then, and of course, you always pass something down to your children, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get half of everything. So, uh-huh. but then knowing that here, you know, literally here's all this paperwork on what you have. And now you have a 50, 50 shot of passing that along to someone Yeah, is very scary. And I kind of went through a phase of not knowing if we would have kids. And I remember sitting in our spare room and thinking, I always knew where I'd want the crib to be and had all that, you know, planned in my head and being like, I don't know if I'll ever put one in here, like out of my own choice, because I was scared. And it actually a very unlikely source or help um, kind of made me get past that. What's that? I, well, I had to sleep in a recliner for a while and my back was so sore and just awful. So I, um, my plastic surgeon recommended a chiropractor to me. So I went in and met them and did all of that stuff. And they were so great. Um, Her name's Harlene uh, Me. Mangan and she's behind the YMCA in Moline. Okay. And so I went and I met her and her staff and one of her staff members was telling me, I kind of, I mean, I shared my whole thing with them because I couldn't lay down on the table and I was very nervous about being adjusted and I was still going through the filling process. So I wasn't ready to be pushed and all of that. So, um, she was sharing with me how I can't, I don't remember I don't even know if she told me, but she has a hereditary thing as well. And we were kind of talking about kids and I don't know if she knew before she had her kids, but she ended up passing it down to one of her kids, her son. And she was saying how like he knows that he has it and that he got it for me and we talk about it and you know, we've worked through it and everything like that. And she's like, it's always still like worth it. She's like, you're always going to pass something to them. And whether you know it or not, or have to face it, there's always going to be something. Right. So now because, I mean, obviously men can get breast cancer, but like even passing it to a boy, does that like then the boy has a risk for? So for men, if they have the mutation, 
they are at a higher risk for prostate cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't so, know there was that same connection. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it pretty much doubles for them. General population is about 8%. And if you have the mutation, men are up to 16. And then they have a... That's r- so, like, I, I'm, that's yeah. so strange. I know. Wow. Because you would think okay. it would just impact mm-hmm. them. And they can, I mean, you would think if it impacts one thing, it impacts one thing. It doesn't exactly. change per gender, but... Wow. Okay. All right. So, so I'm following now. So, um, yeah. And then they have a slight increase for breast cancer, but their initial risk yeah. is so low. I think it only goes up to like one or something, but it's still significantly higher than an average man. So have. just hearing that she handled it this certain way mm-hmm. with her kids was reassuring for you. Yeah. And the kid wasn't like, I don't know, mad at her. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I was never like, Oh, I can't believe I got this from my dad or what, you know, like, Oh my gosh. He didn't even know. And, and everything I went through, it wasn't so terrible that I like wished I wasn't here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all stuff that you just face and you deal with it. And, and if you don't get this from me, you're going to get whatever from your dad or something else from me. I mean, right. Sadly, you pass along the good and the bad. So, I remember leaving that appointment and I felt so great physically because I was finally like getting some help for my back. And it was like, I had like left therapy. I mean, I was there for over an hour and just talked to them. And now I go to them all the time. I love them. They're great. That's so cool. It's like, okay, I think this is fine. Like I'm okay with possibly passing this along and all that. So, and as far as your health goes, like, do you can pregnancy cause any complications for you or, um, Luckily, I don't know. No. D- yeah. Mm-mm. I asked about that cause you know, your breasts expand when yeah. you're pregnant. And I wondered like, would that mean I had more tissue during my pregnancy, which means would I be at higher risk? And the surgeon was like, maybe slightly, but yeah. I mean, they're going to get most of it anyways. So they haven't like changed or anything. Right. I haven't had the soreness and other things that other okay. women experience. Yeah, because that's really brutal. Yeah. Yeah, the sore boobs is bad. And I didn't have that, <laughs> like, that first symptom. Like, that's one of the first. Yeah. And I remember telling my sister, I was like, I don't even feel pregnant. And and because I hadn't started my morning sickness mm-hmm. phase yet. And I was like, I think it's because I have, like, breast implants. And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why you don't feel pregnant, because you're missing all that wonderful <laughs> pain. Yes. And that was one of the first symptoms for me. Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. So, um, uh, again, another ignorant question, but like, will you be able to breastfeed if you wanted to? Nope. No, so no breastfeeding. Okay. Cause or that's, anything. that's all considered breast tissue, like mm-hmm. the ducts and all of that yep, stuff. So okay. all of that okay. is taken. Is there any like mourning of that for you or does that not really like, I really have mixed feelings. Yeah. Um, my sister had always talked about what a bonding experience it was with my niece when mm-hmm. she was breastfeeding her, but then I, I also hear about how awful it is to pump and I'm just like, (laughs) I can do without it. And, and now me and Petey get a share in all the overnight feeding responsibilities. And I'm like, well, that's okay too. And you'll get that bonding too. Of course. So of course. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm really glad for that. Um, I think that will be good. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be just fine. One of my favorite parts. (laughs) So now this process isn't over for you though, because there's a second half of dealing with this gene mutation. Yes. Okay. So So what is that? 
for women, it increased your breasts as well as your ovarian um, cancer risk. Okay. So, um, cancer, I think ovarian cancer risks are pretty low for normal women. Um, but then if you have that gene mutation, it increased significantly. So okay. while most doctors are like, it's totally your choice on the breast part, most are pretty adamant that you get your ovaries removed. Really? Just because there's really no symptoms. Your symptoms are like cramps and your back hurts. Okay. Well, well that's like a Tuesday. Right. So <laughs> that's all the time. <laughs> right. So a lot of times once they, found, once they have found your ovarian cancer, it's because it's spread or... It's already so intense. Um, so that's something that yeah. they, they really encourage. I mean, no one can force you. But yeah. And so I imagine that surgery in a lot of ways is more intense and invasive yeah. than it's what you went through. I think like, I mean, because your breasts are, I mean, I don't think about my ovaries or right. see them no. or anything, but it's a working organ that mm -hmm. we have for a reason. So I actually haven't really... I haven't Googled my way through that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not <Maybe> ready. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I think don't. I'll talk to a doctor first. Yeah. Um, but the earliest they do that is at 35. Okay. Um, because you need your ovaries and yeah. taking them early can cause other problems like okay. osteoporosis and things. Oh, wow. And if you want to become a mom and yeah. things like that. So. so, and does removing your ovaries then like officially like... Would that end all chances of future pregnancies or yeah. is there like a process where they can I'm sh save eggs for later or? I don't, I'm not sure. It's probably deep into the research but here. I know but I they, it kick, it starts your menopause. Okay. So. Oh, wow. Like within a few weeks. And that's can be really taxing physically too. Yeah. So I always kind of thought like, okay, well, if we have, I, I knew I wanted to have kids you know, not sooner than later, but I found out all this at 27. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm already, you know, I don't know, not that the, your clock is ticking at 27, yeah. but it's knowing that that's going to be a two-year process. And then I wasn't ready to get pregnant the second I was done. Yeah, I'm like, I just need six months where I don't talk to any doctors. I don't go to an office. Yes, And that I pretty much got exactly six months because once we decided to try, it took a month and a half. Had a girl. And Petey's <laughs> very proud. Oh God. Oh, boys are it, so annoying. I know. I was like, maybe it was me. And he's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. You did it. Yay. So, I mean, I'm glad it was fast yeah. because I mean, you hear those stories yeah. and they can be but so you heartbreaking. You never know. You literally yeah. never know. Yeah. And I, I could have handled a few more months of trying. Uh -huh. I think I was just like, I remember being like, okay. In June, I'm like, at the end of June, I'm like, we should try and like maybe get a little more serious in July. Yeah. And, you know, I'll start paying attention more to my ovulation dates. I thought I was, but I messed them up. And that whole little speech, I was already pregnant and had no idea. <laughs> so it's like, all right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> I guess it's happening. <laughs> so your baby boy is due in. March. March. March 9th. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so. And you said you're feeling well. Second trimester's been good for you. Yeah. The first one, I mean, it was all the normal morning sickness, yeah. all that jazz. Um, right now, it's just been a lot of lower back pain, but I've been going to the Cairo every two weeks now, and good that's helped you. a lot. And yeah. If I stop raking, that will help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like your but, chiropractor's going to listen to this and go, yeah. Miss wow. Peterson. Please. She's probably like cha-ching. <laughs> Use some common sense. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be back tomorrow. 
So yeah, it's been really good so far though, and I'm. We had our big ultrasound yesterday. Oh yes, so, the whole anatomy scan yeah. and got to see all this, all the all good stuff. stuff. Yeah, all the chambers of the heart and yeah. seeing the heart like beating is just incredible. And yeah, I'm pretty good until they turn the sound on and I can hear it, and then I just start crying every time. It's I know. Just, I don't know why that it makes it so real. The the sound of it. I totally agree. It's great. Oh my gosh. It. So um. What do you think is the biggest thing that you learned about yourself after the past two years? Did anything I, really surprise you? I think I wasn't so surprised. I kind of had like a realization of like physically I need to be healthier okay. and mentally at okay. the same time and have really worked towards that. Yeah. I kind of had the attitude of, well, if my body is going to try and give me cancer, then I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to be healthier. And so if that happens to me, I'm not already facing other risks because I'm overweight or not eating correctly. Um, So that it was kind of just a big lifestyle and attitude change. Yeah. What are some of the biggest changes that you made? Really like just trying to, eat healthier. Yeah. I hate most healthy foods. So I've tried to really get over that and force myself to eat healthier. And well, and good thing you're no longer working in a newsroom because that's a cesspool of donuts. And I think my new job's worse. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh. When I first started, they did a 12 days of Christmas where three people brought in treats for 12 days leading up to Christmas. (gasps) Oh my God. (laughs) It was amazing. What is that? (laughs) You should come visit. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was like, wow, I like love and hate it here. I'm just eating my feelings. <laughs> oh my god. It was great. So good. We don't do that as much anymore. Yeah. We're trying to get it under control, I think. Um but yeah, and then just being a lot more active yeah. and my dog helps and yeah. he kind of insists we walk every day whether I yeah. want to or not. So that's helped and and I like to think I'm more positive. I definitely have my gripes, but yeah. um it really put things into perspective. Like, yeah, I'm not going to try and I'm trying hard not to like complain about little stuff when I'm like, I have this other big thing going on that like all this other, you know, stuff you deal with at work or with family. I just try and like look at it a little differently. Yeah. Put it into perspective that maybe not everything's a such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Major crisis mode. Yeah. Um, and so obviously like your fears about like your marriage were completely unfounded and yeah. like it actually I think made us a lot stronger and Aww. I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. But I mean, I, we're both pretty independent and I think once you have to rely on someone to drive you everywhere for three weeks and you know, to help me shower, I couldn't yeah. do stuff like that. And you know, when I had to use the restroom, you'd have to help, you know, come in there with me and make sure I'm fine. And mm-hmm. you really are just not using your upper body at all. Okay. So any arm movement that you would be used to, you just aren't doing that. Yeah. So once you really like have to rely on that person to like literally help you be clean and mm-hmm. brush your hair and things like that. Um, yeah. Not that we weren't close before, but it took our relationship to a level yeah. that I didn't know was there. Um, so I well, and then once he sees all the horrifying things that come with having a baby, you guys are going to be rock solid. I think he's in denial. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Oh my gosh. I mean, just even like, oh, just, 
Yeah. And not even just like the delivery part, but just like the recovery part. Like you're just like, yeah, yeah. like this is what it is. We might <laughs> both be in denial about that. <laughs> the delivery part for sure. I think he is a little, mm-hmm. we were talking about C-sections and he's like, I think just last night and he's like, well, you're not even awake for that. And I'm like, no, you're awake the whole yeah. time. He's like, mm-hmm. no, you're not. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, you are. They don't like put you like, I've had one of each. I've had one of each. I've had one a sleep C-section and one a live C-section. I didn't know they did any sleep ones. Well, they only did the sleep one for me because um, it was a semi-emergency and um, my epidural wasn't working. And so they asked me if I could, like, they they asked me if I could feel, they said, do you feel pressure or do you feel sharp? And I said, I feel sharp. And they were like, get her out, get her out, get her out. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I had one a sleep C-section and one a wake one. Which and is was so Turner weird. in there the whole time? He was not in there for the sleeping one. But and he one. was in there for the awake okay. one. Yeah, so. Yeah, because Petey's like, well, I won't weird. be in there. I'm like, yeah. yes, you will. Yeah, you're going to be in the full in gear, the full dress up. <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, I've, ever, oh. I, I've never had a, like, natural, natural delivery, I guess. I've had two C-sections and, yeah, I really don't think they're that bad. <laughs> I've heard... <laughs> I've nice, heard great things. Nice <laughs> things about both. They're fast, I've heard. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. there's definitely that. That's yeah. a lot. So um, what what advice do you think you would give someone who maybe is just getting their test results or trying to decide if they should take that test in the first place? I would say don't be afraid to reach out and find support. Um whether a lot of mine was through strangers. I read those blogs and I have a great friend who found a bunch of stuff for me and sent it to me. And I watched, you know, videos of girls talking about, you know, their post-surgery and what they experienced. And she actually went to school with a girl whose family has the same gene. She's, I think she was one of six children, the only one who doesn't have it. She lost a sister to breast cancer in her twenties. Um, two of her sisters had had vasectomies and she connected me to her um, on Facebook and she was in Chicago. So I never met her or anything, but she gave me advice on like, well, my one sister was really healthy when she went in and did these types of exercises and her recovery was so much better than the one who wasn't as healthy and things like that. And just, I mean, she gave me simple tips like do squats because you're about to not use your, be able to use your arms. Oh, wow. You will. I'm, I mean, if you need to get up and off the couch, you d- you can't use your arms. Getting out of a yeah. chair, you can't, you know, out of the car, any of that. So I was like, oh, I had, was thinking. You just don't think of it like that. Yeah, I was thinking, do arm workouts because you're going to need your strength. And actually, you're not going to use them at all. So yeah. I think find the resources where you can and um, don't be afraid to ask people about it. And there's a group that my doctor recommended it's called bright pink and they have like a mentorship type thing so you can connect with other women who are going through the same thing and you can be a mentor or you can reach out for help and yeah I never got to that point I think I kind of I was a lot to handle and to take in so I kind of just did it myself but I definitely I mean I brought one of their pamphlets with me I mean it's stuff that I get their emails and they give you reminders of health and what to look for with ovarian cancer and they'd send monthly reminders about doing self-exams for your breasts and things like that so there's definitely resources out there and yeah I think it's becoming more and more known 
Um, Definitely. So I think that's helped a lot. Yeah. So, and I mean, if any of your listeners ever in the Quad Cities want to talk to someone who's gone through it or grab a coffee or something, I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. So You're awesome. It helped me a lot just to, and those strangers don't know how much they helped me, yeah. but they did. So if I could have met one of them, I would have. So if anyone ever needs to talk, I'm happy to do that. Oh my gosh. And Ashley will make you laugh a lot too. you haven't worked at channel eight in uh three four Four years years, now but my gosh we used to laugh all the time we did it was a good time (laughs) (laughs) ashley thank you so much for sharing your story and for opening up and um for being so candid about everything that you went through and um yeah i think it's um i think it's really brave what you you. did and i really um, appreciate the, the opportunity i've kind of pondered doing something like this, but didn't know the platform or if I was ready or I kind of just dove in. So, well, and we'll have to have you back later once you have baby boy and, um, we can, we can talk about whether or not you feel like an old lady yet. (laughs) See how much I've aged. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do some before and after pics. This time next year when I'm four years older. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to On a Mother Level from the Tribune Audio Network. Tribune Audio Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.